We are back, guys. It's the Blue Bloods, and we are here to bring you guys that sports content you are missing. We start the episode off by talking about which school deserves the title of quarterback you. We then debate which school has the best home field advantage in college football, snake draft style, of course. We can't let you guys down there. We then give our final analysis on a loaded quarterback class in this year's NFL draft, and we wrap it all up by giving our take on one of the most controversial mock drafts released this year. We have a packed episode, so let's kick it off. So ESPN spent the weekend riling up the Twitter masses by releasing their rankings for which school was positioned you for every position since the BCS era. So the Blue Bloods decided why not bring our own take on this list and debate which school deserves the title throughout, you know, for each position. This is the first installment of our own rankings. So why not start with arguably the most important position on the field, which is quarterback. ESPN ranked USC as quarterback U, followed by Oklahoma at two, Oregon three, Texas at four, and Florida State at five. All respectable picks there. All got great quarterbacks. So, Brandon, the rules here are you can only take into account quarterbacks from 1999 until this past year. I guess next year, maybe. I guess. I don't know. So, Brandon, which school is QBU and why? So I'm actually going to have to agree with ESPN here, which doesn't happen very often whatsoever. But I think they had a very strong argument for being QBU. I mean, since 1999, um, USC has pumped out quarterback after quarterback. They have Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold. And I'm not even going to say Keaton Slovis, even though I really want to. Um but I mean, it's just it to me. It seems like USC always just has that stable quarterbacks ready to go. Um, I, I don't know. There's just there's something about them. It, it's it's pretty reliable that uh, USC. If if there's quarterbacks in talks, uh, you know, for for like postseason awards, the USC quarterbacks usually involved with that, right? I mean, especially when you take into account all these years. I'm not saying every single year. But if you take the number of quarterbacks they've had in talks for for that, um, and you divide it by you know by by uh, the or you divide the number uh, into the years, then I mean it's a pretty high percentage. Um, and, and you know there's not too much else to say here. I don't want to I don't want to sit here talking myself in circles about USC being QBU because I mean they've already agreed with that. So I mean, w- what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I, I've ranked my top five, too. I had USC at number two. I agree with everything you said. They have a respectable, you know, pedigree of quarterbacks. But I think there's a runaway choice here looking back from 99 until now. There's only one school that has four husband winning quarterbacks since 1999. Um, no other school has had more than two quarterbacks win the Heisman and no other school and you know no one outside of USC and Florida State has more than one um 
And I think the big thing that keeps me from picking USC is that between those quarterbacks you named, there's been some struggles. I mean, between Matt Leinart and Barkley and Darnold, there was a stretch there where it was a little tough for USC. And Darnold was, is, I think, a better NFL quarterback than he was a college quarterback. He struggled some in college injuries and whatever, and he never really made his mark. But Oklahoma, for me, is the number one choice here. Um, like I said, yeah. four, four Heisman winning quarterbacks, Brandon. I mean, you had Jason White, Sam Bradford, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray. And then that's not even including Jalen Hurts this past year, who came in second. Trevor Knight and Landry Jones put up really, really good stats at their time. And I, I just think if you put it all together, Oklahoma had better quarterback play every single year for uh, compared to USC. I mean, I think they had the best quarterback, some of the best quarterbacks of this, you know, time period. And they also were the most consistent. So I don't understand how they didn't get to number one here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I actually had uh, Oklahoma written down on my list too, uh, as my second place, which, you know, maybe call me chalk, call me what you want to call me. Um, But I, you know, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with this, but I just can't, I mean, something about USC, something about seeing that, that, that USC helmet with the Trojan on it. You just, I mean, to me, at least I think quarterback when I see that, and that may just be a personal thing. Obviously it's not just a personal thing. Uh, I think a lot of people have to agree with me here or else they wouldn't be at number one on ESPN's list, but um, I don't know. Uh, You know, in Oklahoma, I I get where you're coming from on that. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, it's tough. Like if you're going to call a, a school quarterback university. Uh, how do you not pick the team that had the most Heisman winning quarterbacks of the time period you chose, which means they arguably had for the best quarterbacks ever in this time period. And I mean, uh, so I've ranked my top five. I agree with Oregon at three. I like Florida state at four. Um, but I think a team that was underrated, they were 10th for ESPN. I think that's Ohio state. I yeah, think Ohio definitely. State got disrespected. I would have them top five. I mean, especially if you look at the recent success of their quarterbacks. And they do have a Heisman Trophy winner in Troy Smith in 2006. And that's not even including the year they had three NFL quarterbacks on the roster and all three won games to win them the national championship. And let's not forget how good Justin Fields is. I mean, he's still there. And I, you still have to consider him because he did play for Ohio State last year. And I just, I don't understand what I'm missing here, uh, I guess, but uh, 10 is ridiculous. I mean, they even had Auburn over Ohio State, which is outrageous in my opinion, because yeah, outside of Cam Newton and Jason Campbell, I, are we really going to put Jared Siddham up there? I don't think so. And Jason <laughs> Campbell had one good year. So we're putting a lot of stock into Cam Newton's one good year for Auburn. I don't, I wouldn't have them in the top 10 and, I just, I think it was, th- that was one of the many questionable picks, but I, I just, I, so if you look at the USC's quarterbacks, I think Carson Palmer was, I would say Carson Palmer is a really, really strong quarterback, but Sam Darnold, I think is overrated. I mean, I, I don't think he dominated in college. I don't think, you know, yeah, I really don't think Matt Leinart was that good. I think Matt Leinart won the. I think Matt Leinart won the Heisman based off like the talent that was around him. What do you mean Matt Leinart wasn't that good? He wasn't. I'd, you want to go back? That's absurd. What do you? What? 
At, would you? I would call him a elite quarterback. In college, yes, he was. Uh, maybe, but I mean, when you're maybe. playing behind, arguably, he won the Heisman Trophy. So what? There's a lot of people who won the Heisman Trophy. Those out. Sometimes I do. Sometimes there's people that have that's no, one that hasn't no, deserved no, no, it. No. Okay, Zach. He won it in 2004. Are you telling me that he was a better player than Reggie Bush? How are you going to win the house when you're not even the best player on your own team? Because you're Matt Leinart. I mean, you want to look at that season? He threw – look, this is a period in college football where teams weren't just airing the ball out all the time. And you have to remember he did have Reggie Bush in his backfield. He still passed for 3,300 yards, uh, 33 touchdowns, and only six interceptions that season. That's that's pretty good, right, Zach? And that was his worst season. He had three but, seasons. That was his worst, and that's the one he won the Heisman with. You're going to call him the best player in college football, but he's not even the best player on his own team? I'm I'm going to say that with the way the Heisman voting typically worked around that around that era, which I get that Reggie Bush – won it the next season um and, but quarterbacks win it more than running backs right and, i mean re- it's, it's biased that way and i misspoke actually reggie bush should have won it in uh the next year which he did but lindell white put up better stats than bush did in his hospital winning year his sophomore year in 04 so lindell white really is the one getting disrespected here uh i just I really think, and I would say Lindell White probably was a better college player than even Matt Leinart was. So I, I just don't see this. And this is the year that we're going Adrian, Apple, I mean, that's apples to oranges right now. We're talking about quarterbacks to running backs. We're talking about who is quarterback you, Zach. But I'm just saying, like, you can't argue that, like, this quarterback you, when he technically, like, I don't understand why he's counting for so much. Like, it's like, oh, he won the Heisman, so he must have been amazing. It's like, he played because good, he had but... three seasons where he passed over 3,300 yards. Oh, my goodness. In an era where people weren't throwing for, for 4,000 yards a season. He, I mean, he, his, his junior season, or his senior season, he passed for 3,800 yards. Okay, so you want, you want pretty good. You want proof here, right? So Matt Leinart, the year he won, beat the, the true freshman Adrian Peterson in a time where they would never give a freshman a husband. Adrian Peterson ran for almost 2,000 yards his freshman year at six yards a carry and 15 touchdowns. And that's not even including Jason White, who played for – let's just say Oklahoma, and they didn't give him the Heisman because he won it the previous year in 03, and Jason White had less attempts for just as many yards and more touchdowns than Matt Leiner had. Dude, it, you still can't take this away from him. You cannot I'm take away. It. I'm taking it right away from him. Okay, Zach, this is ridiculous. I'm taking I it mean, we, we, straight out of his hand. We got into a whole different conversation. <laughs> uh, we, we, this is what we should be talking about. It's not where, where do you play at, Zach? Where do you play at? He played at uh, what? Matt Leinart? USC? No. Or who? No, I know where Matt Leinart okay. is. I, I can't even remember who you were arguing with me about. Oh, Jason who, who White. Was the other quarterback division? Oh, Jason White. Okay. He won the Husband right, in 03 I mean, and had better stats than Leinart did in 04 and still didn't win the Husband. And Adrian Peterson put up one of the best ye- has the best years in for a true freshman running back in college football history and didn't win it as well. So Dude, I'm, not take, I'm not taking this away from anybody right now. I, yeah, I didn't hear that you said Jason White. I mean, if you were talking about anybody besides Jason White, it would make your argument wouldn't make any sense. But since you were talking about an Oklahoma quarterback, it makes sense. That's what I'm getting at. 
Yeah. So he stole. So they could have had five Heisman's in this decade if it weren't for biases. And Jalen Hurts finished second. I don't know. And Jalen Hurts finished second in the Heisman, which even adds more. And Trevor Knight put up great stats. Landry Jones was dominant in his time at Oklahoma. We can we can run the tape back if you want, Zach. To just a few weeks ago, uh, you just trashing Jalen Hurts. I get that his first couple weeks this season were great, but other than that. I mean, you can't you can't give him any credit because you already tore him down. Yeah, I tore him down as a NFL, a potential NFL quarterback, but he put out he put up outrageous stats, and I think he let me. I'll go on record here. Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than to Matt Leinart. That's debatable. I don't. Brandon, so we're talking. So you talk Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. Is Matt Leinart better than Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, J- Jason White, or Sam Bradford? I would say no. He's not better than Sam Bradford, but and he's probably not better than others either. But exactly, um, it, hang on, time out. But so, I, would, I would I would say Carson Palmer's up there. I mean, if we want to talk no, about, the best I already gave you that. Carson okay. Palmer's up there. He's a he 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 is uh, he's great. He's a legendary quarterback in college football. But so you go down the list. You gave me Carson Palmer at one. That's fine. You're gonna put Matt Leinart at two. So Matt Leinart. At two for USC, it's their second best quarterback at that school for this time period, right? That's what you're given. That's how you're ranking these USC quarterbacks, right? That's yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay, so Oklahoma had four Heisman Trophy winners, and I'll put Carson Palmer number one. I'll just give you that. So Jason White, Sam Bradford, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Landry Jones are all better than Matt Leinart, and you're saying that USC deserves to be number one? Zach, that's. Okay, so that's that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not, I am saying they need to be number one, but I never agree with you. I said that I said that uh, Sam Bradford is better than Matt Leinart, and I think that Jason White at times was better than Matt Leinart. I think that I mean there's a reason. Look, I'm not going to back down from saying that Matt Leinart should have won his Heisman Trophy the year that he did. I believe that he did that he should have won that wholeheartedly. You can't convince me otherwise. Well, let's work down the list. So I would rank Landry Jones as the fifth best quarterback on Oklahoma's side. Um, okay. he threw for fourth. He threw for forty-two hundred or more yards three of his four years, and that in his freshman year he threw for thirty-one hundred yards, and he had above twenty-six touchdowns every single year. He threw for almost seventeen thousand yards and a hundred and twenty-three touchdowns. Brandon, that's the fifth okay. best quarterback from this school at this time period. Sam Darnold, I don't even think deserves to be in this conversation compared to Oklahoma's fifth best quarterback. Okay, okay, Zach, that's fine. I mean, I, I, mean, I, 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 I presented my case. I mean, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. Uh, Sam Darnold passed for 4,100 yards his his uh, his last season. The fifth best quarterback on Oklahoma's side did it three times. He threw for 4,200 yards three times. Yes, three consecutive years. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Actually. That's pretty good. Landry Jones threw for over four thousand yards three straight years. I'll give you that. That's, that's a pretty, that's <laughs> pretty that's, strong argument. That's the fifth best quarterback on the Oklahoma side. Well, I'm I'm not backing down. I think USC is quarterback. You. I'm sorry. That's that's. In, I mean, sorry. I mean, we we can talk about it all day, but. I mean, if you want to get other segments, we can do that too. That's up to you. Let's let's get, let's get to some other segments, soon, guys. Um, yeah. 
So if I told you guys that uh, content was just being handed to us uh, in this hard, difficult, non-sports time, I would be a damn liar. But Brandon and I got together. We got the creative juices flowing, and we're bringing you guys another awesome snake draft. You guys seem to eat these up, so we'll keep bringing them to you guys. Uh, This time we draft the best home field advantages in college football. This is not who just has the loudest or biggest stadium, because that's a boring debate. Um, but we're going to rank or really pick which stadium, which program combines noise, atmosphere, intimidation factors, history, tradition, scenery, and creates the best home field advantage in college football. So Brandon threw our names into a, uh, a random generator, and it seems to favor you. So you get the pick again. The very first yes, pick, and so I think you know I'm just gonna skip your pick. Everyone knows who you're gonna pick, so it's not even gonna be fun. But go ahead and make your bias pick again. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and commit to this real quick uh, because because I don't have anything better to do. Um, it is quarantine after all, so let's go ahead and cue up that music real quick from my first pick, and let's take a trip on down to the Bayou. Um, so. Uh, at first, I'm going to go with LSU. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, how could you argue against me here that they're not the most electric uh, atmosphere in college football? I mean, you take a trip down to Baton Rouge on a Saturday night in in September, October, November. I mean, even December. Uh, you're just going to it's going to be a show. It's going to be fantastic. Um, just the tra- I mean, I can I can go on naming traditions uh, for for hours if you needed me to, but everyone's heard me do that. So I'm just going to end my pick right here. Uh, I've got to go with the LSU Tigers with my number one. Boo. Um, nah, there's no boo. There is. Cause I mean, I, so unbiased reaction here. Cause I don't really care either way. Um, I've been to a bunch of stadiums, uh, sick brag on my part, but yeah, sick L- LSU is not the loudest. I just want to say that, um, been twice. It's a matter of the loudest. loudest. Most intimidating. Do what? most intimidating i mean they they don't need to be loud when they're whooping auburn every single time you go there okay okay fair enough um so i'm gonna probably have an unconventional pick here i came down to three that i wanted to take first but since i get two picks in a row why not just go with my unconventional one i'm going with beaver stadium at penn state um okay uh i know that's probably not what you were expecting brandon but um so really no let me explain first um if if I ask you guys off the top of your head to name one of the coolest, most intimidating environments that you see every year in college football, I would imagine seventy five percent of the people I ask say the whiteout at Penn State. That's especially night whiteouts at Penn State. I mean, it is one of the most intimidating, cool, just interesting things I've ever seen. I mean, I'm sorry, Auburn does this. Uh, Ohio State. I mean, everyone does these color outs, uh, stripe outs. No one does it better than Penn State. If I don't even think, even if you bought a ticket, if you're not wearing white, I don't think they let you in. Even if you're an opponent's fan, like if you're Ohio State and you're wearing red, you got to get out. Just give me your ticket. Go buy a white shirt somewhere because that whole stadium is white. They got the white shakers, and I mean, they dominate at home. Uh, Brandon, Penn State is 32 and three since 2015 at home. And the stadium design is intimidating. They have the they have the top um, high rise bleachers in both end zones. It encloses you in. They have the big press box on the side. You just feel like you're in that stadium, and it's 
huge. I mean, it's not all about size, but when you have up about 106,000 people in your stadium and they're all wearing white and they're all crazy Northerners, I mean, for me, even though uh, I'll be there in a year when Auburn goes and plays there, but I don't, I, just based on what I've seen and some of the things I've read about it, Beaver Stadium has to be up there. And I think it's really, really underrated as a home field advantage. So, I got I get a, I get another pick here. I'm going to go with Memorial Stadium here. And okay. if you guys don't know, that is the real Death Valley and that is uh the Clemson Tigers stadium. Um it's, so it, it's probably the smallest stadium that's going to be on this list. Houses about 81,000 fans, but this is one of the most dominant environments in college football. Brandon, if you had to guess, what is Clemson's record at home since 2010? Uh, I would say they've probably they've probably lost four games, sixty four and five since two thousand oh, totally. and ten, and too much credit. Yeah, and even crazier, thirty four and one since two thousand and fifteen. Okay, I mean that's 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 tough. I mean, I don't think that's the place you want to go play. And th- when they run down the hill to come in the stadium, that is one of the most electric entrances in the country for college football I, I personally went deaf during this when i witnessed this in 2016 this stadium's constantly sold out every game they, they get to storm the field after every single win that's awesome and you know even though they win a lot not a lot of these programs can sell out their stadium week in and week out eclipsen is on a ridiculous streak to sell out their stadium every week and for me, this is the loudest stadium I've ever been to in person, and it was for a game against an average-ranked Auburn team. And that this stadium, from the time they ran down the hill till the time that game was over, that stadium was at max energy. And it's one of the most beautiful campuses, beautiful environments. The fans are awesome, and I, I think Clemson has one of the best home field advantages in the country. Yeah, that's uh, I'm glad you said it, so I didn't have to. Um, so with my second pick, I'm going to have to go uh, – uh, so tough. I'm going to go with the horseshoe. I'm going to go with Ohio State. Um, just, I mean, you want to talk about a classic, uh, just intimidating place to play a, a college football game. Let's, let's, let's head up to Columbus, Ohio uh, for a second. And, that I mean, not only is it intimidating, not only does it give Ohio State one of the best home field advantages in college football, but – um, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, oh, the tradition there. I, I mean, the the tradition that's built around the horseshoe is absolutely insane. Um, you know, and Zach talked about uh about Memorial Stadium not being a very big stadium, might be the smallest on the list, and I don't know if he's going to be right or wrong on that because I. What What did you say? How How many was the uh? How many people they about eighty one. Yeah. It's like eighty and a half. Yeah, so it's about eighty one. No, a little bit of foreshadowing here, but he was wrong. Um, uh, Ohio State houses, uh, I think their record attendance is like around 110 or something. I think they can expand it. Uh, the capacity is 102, but but 110, uh, they expand it for some games. Anyway, um, so that, I'm going to give that with my second pick. With my third pick, and this is my, this will probably legitimately be the, uh, the low um, on this list, is going to be Outson Stadium uh, for Oregon. 
This stadium is uh, small, but it is loud. So the stadium seats 54,000 people. And that's, I mean, that's, that's just here recently in the past 20 years. Uh, they expanded, you know, before that they were held about 40,000, but you want to talk about a loud stadium. Let's go to Allison. Uh, it gives the Oregon Ducks an insane advantage every single time that they play there. I don't know too much about the traditions um, in Oregon. Uh, Oregon, while I do believe it exists, uh, shout out to Wyoming. Not sure about you. Um, I don't. I just don't know too much about it. I've never made my way up there. I've never been to the stadium. But uh, if if I have to pick the most intimidating or most uh, or the stadiums that give or even just the places that give uh, the team the best home field advantage. I'm going to uh, put them somewhere on my list. Ah, you really like, you stole my thunder, bro. Like you stole two stadiums just right off my list. You're just so disrespectful yeah, with it. Um, it must suck to be you. You have zero idea, but I guess, <laughs> if I, have, I guess if I have to pick one, God, this is tough. I'm going to go with uh Sanford stadium. I like that pick. Okay. Um, in case you guys don't know, that is uh, the home to the Georgia Bulldogs. And I, I don't know what to say. This is one of the other loudest stadiums I've been to. Good Lord, man. This this stadium is ridiculous. I mean, that's over 92,000 people. The campus is beautiful. Everything around it is gorgeous. They they have an awesome intro. I mean, I, Brandon, I, don't, I think every one of our listeners saw their light show they put on before the Notre Dame game. That was. I mean, light shows. Light shows are overrated, but yeah. Yeah, definitely overrated, but it's still awesome. The hedges that that field is between the hedges, guys, and I mean, the, their fans are intense. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been barked at by a human being, but um, <laughs> yeah, that happens, guys. It 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 real 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 happens, and so I think I'm gonna have to go with Sanford Stadium. I like the the the. The layout of it is awesome. It just connects all the way around until you get to that small end zone. They're supposed to be expanding it soon, construction in the works. And if they build that thing up, it is going to be just unbearable to play in that stadium. So, ah, what are we at? Four? This is this is getting tough, Brandon. Uh, this is this is getting real, real tough. Um, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to be biased here just like Brandon was. I'm going with Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, oh, boo. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. That's well, ridiculous. Why not? Why not? Because, because I've been there. Oh, I, I can call you out on air if we want to go there about why your okay, opinion does it, it, not it, matter. It's, it's a good time. Go ahead. No, just, yeah, just okay. That's, uh, that's what I thought. I didn't think you wanted everyone to hear about that story. But, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that gets Jordan Hare on this list is – how beautiful the campus is and the tradition. I mean, with, between the Eagle flight, the band, Tumor's Corner, it has a decent size at about 87,000, 88,000. It gets extremely loud in there too, guys. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, the 2017 Alabama game registered on the uh, Richter scale. Uh, LSU's not the only place that can do that. And Auburn's done it multiple yeah. times. The kick six also did. So we've done it more than LSU. So That's false, actually. We, we go through all the time. Go ahead. Um, and Auburn's been ex, ex, successful here. I mean, twenty four and five since two thousand sixteen is not bad. And they've upset multiple top ranked teams in the country since two thousand sixteen. And they've gone five and two over ranked teams in the past two year, three years at Jordan Hare. So Auburn wins here. I mean, 
I don't know Brandon's an LSU fan, so I guess his his opinion doesn't really matter. But um, in case you guys don't know, Alabama does not like to come play at Jordan Hare. Owen to the last two times they've come and play at Jordan Hare, and LSU has also had some bad luck in Jordan Hare. Not as bad as Auburn's had at Tiger Stadium, but it's still been pretty back and forth. Whoever has home field advantage in Auburn LSU, it seems to be much more competitive. So Brandon, go ahead. Take what is your final stadium this one's gonna hurt me a lot um not as much as you <laughs> might think because i'm not i'm not picking florida i refuse to pick florida even though maybe it is pretty electric um you know i had a couple options here and I, we're gonna get to honorable mentions here in a, in a few seconds but um with my last pick i'm gonna have to take a trip to college station texas and uh, oh, kyle really? yeah man the, the 12th man's no joke that it that you want to talk about a really loud stadium? Let's let's talk about it. I think I just went with the loudest stadiums. This is what I try to do with my list. But uh, Kyle Field, um, and and the thing is, it's not just like built so tall, which it is tall. It's very tall. It's a very tall stadium. Uh, it's not really built out, but it's not just like it's built tall and it's small like Allison Stadium. Um, it's built tall and it it seats a hundred and almost one hundred three thousand people. Um, you know, there was a point uh, I think in 2014 when it, where it it could house 106,000 people. Um, is this is just one of those stadiums that, at least you know, I, I don't like when uh, I don't like when LSU has to travel here. You know, I, I hate that. Um, you know, not only does it have the home field advantage, you know, because it's loud, uh, but they you want to talk about a school of traditions. This is it. Uh, you know, every single night, not every single night, every single night before they have a game. Uh, they do the yell or whatever it is here. Oh, the Aggie and yell. Dog, it is. That is that's some cult stuff right there. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it's definitely intimidating. Uh, everyone's just up at like midnight for some reason doing this yell. And if I'm wrong, go ahead and let me know. I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I, I couldn't care any less about uh, Texas A&M or their traditions. But um, yeah, I think Kyle Field definitely has to make this list. Ah, uh, that's. Uh, I I like it. I so f- from what I hear about Kyle Field, I, it's just it's all right, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, I, I, so what I've heard is like it's really loud sometimes, but then like a lot of the times the fans just like get out of it. I guess. Well, yeah, I but I mean, but if you want to, I mean, I'm and I I hate you right now for making me defend Texas A and M, but um. You know that that's that's been more recently. I mean, how much recent success has Texas A&M really had? Uh, you know, there was a span of time between 1990 and 1995 uh, where they had 31 straight home wins, and I can tell yeah. you that that atmosphere was that's, insane. That's tough. Yeah, that's it's just that's there's. Crazy. I mean, there's yeah, and there's another stretch where they had 22 straight from 1996 to 2000. It's just they, I don't know. I think that if they had a better team, that this venue would be even scarier than it is right now. Yeah, I'll give, you that. I'll give you that. Um, so I picked the honorable mention for this. Uh, and I think my honorable mention is more like a feel-good pick. But I'm going to go with Kinnick Stadium in Iowa. I mean, we've talked about the power of the Children's Hospital and what that yeah, brings. And and that that place is where ranked teams with hopes go to die. 
they're building hopes for other people up there. But down on that field, man, if you're ranked and coming to that stadium, just go ahead. Just, you know, just throw in the towel just from the from the jump. Like, listen, we'll take our loss. Can we just go on our way? Stay healthy. Ohio State does not like going to play here. Um, and I think Kinnick Stadium is a very, very underrated. It's not the biggest stadium by far. It's probably not even the loudest, but just, just since they got that children's hospital overlooking the stadium, some crazy things happened on Saturday nights. And I thought, you know, they didn't deserve to be in my top four, but I thought an honorable mention was well worth for the stadium. Yeah. And I have two honorable mentions. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really just playing to the big 10 fans right now because I chose two SEC stadiums in my, in my rankings. Um, but I'm going to have to go with camp Randall stadium in Wisconsin. Uh, just uh, it's not even like it's loud or it's it's whatever i mean it's intimidating because the stadium is just i mean it's it it just being in the stadium alone is a tradition uh the stadium broke ground in 1917 and since then all they've done they've built onto it you know it's this it's the original stadium that they've had since 1917 you know when it housed 12,000 seats now it's up to 80,000 um that and uh, the big house in Michigan. Uh, I feel like I couldn't not list them somewhere, you know, even if it had to be an honorable mention. Uh, you know, if they, I, if they started I, I playing night games. <laughs> What's that? I just have it out for Michigan. I can't put them there. They they, they yeah. got, they got like, they got the biggest stadium by far in the country, but they can't win. A, they can't, they can't beat Ohio State. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I hear you. I don't want to hear it at all, but guys, that is some, we'll, we'll bring you guys more state drafts moving forward. But for right now, we're going to move on to NFL draft coverage. Y'all's favorite. It's coming. It's it's the NFL drafts approaching quickly guys. And it's going to give us that sports fix that I'm sure we're all, you know, in need for right now. But so we figured this is a great time to give our final analysis on a stat quarterback class for the 2020 NFL draft. We briefly touched on this a few months back, it was more us arguing about Tua's injuries and Joe Burrow's hands. But, you know, we've got to see the combine, virtual pro days, analysis from leading draft experts. So we're going to give our final take here since it's coming up next week. Plus, ESPN released some questionable data. I don't know what stats they're running over there on ESPN, but they identified Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback with the best chance to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. They gave Joe Burrow, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert equalized to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, but lower than Tagovailoa's. Um, people seem to be torn on which quarterback is the, is the top prospect in the draft, and everyone thinks they know which quarterback will not pan out in the league moving forward. So, Brandon, which quarterback do you think will have the best career, and then which quarterback from the from this class will be the biggest bust? And what do you think about these projections from ESPN? Look, and and I want to go ahead and preface this by saying yeah, that if this segment sounds a little bit tired, uh, that's because it, it you know it. I don't think it is, but I can definitely see how it can be construed that way. Um, I saw this on ESPN, and I just knew I had to do something about it. I didn't really know what um, at the time, but with no sports on anymore, this is what we have left. I mean, it was either this or just like NBA 2K on ESPN. So uh, this is what we went with. Um, I've even been playing around with the idea of just like, I, I might start smoking just so I have something to do fairly consistently. I just don't, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, but to answer your question, Zach, 
Uh, who, who do I think is the going to be the best quarterback in this draft? Uh, personally, I, I mean, Joe Burrow. Uh, but, I mean, I you know, I understand where you're coming from with Justin Herbert. I get that. Uh, I definitely think those two quarterbacks are going to be uh, the two that pan out the best in, in the NFL. Um, now, moving into bust, that's a little bit trickier. Um, who do I think is going to be the biggest bust in this draft? Uh, that's Jordan Love, and there's no question about it. Uh, I, I've Like I said, I've seen this guy play before. Um, I think I know what he's made of, and I just – I don't – I don't know. There, there's something about putting an NFL uniform on this guy that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I get it if you pick him up in like a late round, but if you're if you're going after him in your first round, or I mean even like early second round, I, I just I, nothing about that makes sense to me. So I I don't know, you know, and and this may be uh, old news to some of you, uh, but I'm just going to stick to my guns here. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Yeah, so uh, we've talked about this briefly, um, but you know, I think this topic actually keeps coming up. The world keeps bringing this up because I think you guys secretly want us to fail because Brandon's going to quit over this question because uh, he does not stand for any Joe Burrow slander on this podcast. Um, no, sir. So we're, we're, the course is going to be a fight. Uh, like Brandon said, he kind of stole my thunder here, but he, you know, I'm picking Justin Herbert. Uh, as you know, the best quarterback in this draft, and I will stand by this regardless of anything. Um, you know, I know we have newer listeners, so let me highlight the argument. And you know what? I'm even going to go a step further. I'm going to highlight why Herbert is better than Joe Burrow. This is um, gross. So Justin Herbert first has the size six six two forty, the athleticism with a four eight forty yard dash, and the real experience to be a problem in the NFL for defenses throughout his career. His decision making is there, and I think the one thing he needs to improve on is finding his true confidence. He has the talent, he makes the proper reads, but sometimes he doubts himself. And once he stops doing that, gets in the NFL system, learns it, gets comfortable with his wide receivers, he's gonna be real, real dangerous. And I want to give a pro comparison for him, and I don't know how you'll feel about this, Brandon. I think he is a more athletic Ben Roethlisberger. I think he has that type of talent. He can lead a franchise for as long as Roethlisberger has led the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now let's kind of get into why Herbert is above Burrow for me. So, Brandon, I got three main points here with some you know bullets underneath it. Um, and I'm going to go with experience first. So okay. you asked me what experience might be. So Burrow only had two true seasons of, of starting. He played sparingly, I guess, at Ohio State, if you want to say that. And Herbert played in over eight games all four years and started all the games toward the end of his career. Um, but – and the other thing is Herbert played – I. So I'm going to say this nicely, Brandon. I know we've talked about LSU moving forward and everything, but how much more help did Joe Burrow have in his two, in his last two seasons compared to Justin Herbert, his last two seasons? I mean, I, you know, there's obviously a lot more talent on, on LSU's team uh, for these past two seasons than were on Oregon's. Yeah. And I, I mean, so Herbert has played consistently four years. So if you look at the four years of Justin Herbert tape, you say, okay, he's gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, but you know what you're getting on the tape. If you 
took someone who never watched football and showed him tape of Joe Burrow his junior year and tape of Joe Burrow his senior year, they would think it was a different people with the same last name. It's like that doesn't even look like the same quarterback. I mean, right. uh, Brandon, you're you're an LSU fan. I think the only game Joe Burrow truly looked like Joe Burrow did this year in his junior season was that Georgia game when they just smacked Georgia. That was a hell of a game for Joe Burrow, by the way, guys. If you're bored and need a game to watch, I don't think I've seen an LSU team play a better game uh, in 2018 than they did against Georgia. Right. And I don't so, know. I, I mean, I mean, there's the argument that uh, I'm not going to really get into it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Get into the argument. It's not even an argument. I mean, I, I get what you're saying with the Georgia game. I could see the Texas A&M game. Say, you could say the same thing about that, or the UCF game. You could say the same thing about that. Uh, UCF was odd, I guess. I mean, it was still UCF. Whatever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the UCF yes. team that hadn't lost in two seasons that that beat Auburn. Yeah, that's completely fine. I, this still doesn't like uh, – so we had three good games, and that is what it is. And that gets me to my next point, consistency. Uh, Burrow inconsistent is be- at best until his last year at LSU when everything had to fall cur- like perfectly for Joe Burrow for him to you know, succeed. Herbert, his final two seasons, had over 3,000 yards – 30 touchdowns or more and threw for a total of over 10,000 yards in his career, even though he was rotated in and out his freshman and sophomore season. And Herbert had a less impressive O-line, less help, but he still seemed to put up better stats more consistently than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had one explosive, explosive season, but where, like, where was that the other four years? Cause he was a red shirt senior. So he had four years of pretty much nothing. He had a decent year his wow. junior year and an amazing, you know, the, probably one of the best seasons ever in his senior year. But where where was it? And finally, Brandon's going to love this one. Brandon, uh, d- don't quit the podcast over this, but we had to come. We had to had to come to this hand size. Joe Get Burrow has, so has Burger King size hands from that commercial. Nine inches. That is it. While Justin Herbert has some grown man hands that is going to lift a Lombardi trophy one day at a whopping 10 inches. So if I'm just saying it, it matters. If they wouldn't measure it if it didn't matter. And so Justin Herbert, based on this, is going to be better than Joe Burrow. What do you mean they wouldn't measure it if it didn't matter? <laughs> do you know what uh, they do all kind of stuff? They make quarterbacks bench press at the NFL Combine, Zach. You think that matters? It might. I, do I don't know. Heart? No, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. They make <laughs> they make they make O-Lyman run a shuttle run. That doesn't matter. They make them run a forty yard dash. We went on a whole rant about that. Okay, I, I, I agree with the forty yard dash. I agree with the forty yard dash. That's pointless for some positions, but no, they wouldn't. Uh, no, they wouldn't do it if it didn't matter, Zach. <laughs> So oh my god! Right I just had to mess with you about the hand thing, man. Yeah. Uh, I already wrote my letter to LSU that the statue better be realistic. But um, for my bust, I th- uh, this was tough. I had two people, and I picked both because I think they're going to be a bust in different ways. If that makes any sense. So my first pick is Tua Tagovailoa, and the reason I say they're different, I think my second bust is because of lack of talent that seems to be overlooked for some reason. But this one isn't because of lack of talent. I think 
Tua would have an argument to be the best quarterback in this draft if he didn't have his injuries. But his injuries are going to limit his potential so much here. And it's disappointing, but they are real. I mean, when you have bad hips, bad knees, bad ankles, bad fingers, I mean, as a quarterback, I mean, where do we draw the line? I mean, he played behind... Uh, well, I mean, Brandon, would you say Alabama probably has a top five offensive line almost every single year? Yeah. And he's hurt like this, but and let's just say, I mean, the Bengals aren't going to pass on Joe Burrow, but let's just say they did. I mean, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Bengals, or you know, any of these teams that are thinking about taking him, the Jaguars, I've even heard. Um, I would say their O lines are weak to mediocre at best, and. So you go from playing behind one of the best offensive lines in college football that gets you hit minimal at like minimally just target anything. And you're going to go play behind an offensive line that's going to give up 20 to 30 sacks a season. And you're telling me he's yeah. going to make it. His body's going to hold up. The players are faster, bigger, stronger, are going to hit harder. And he's going to make it when he couldn't even make it through Alabama every year without getting hurt. And, I hope I'm really, I'm hope I'm wrong, guys. I, I hope I am wrong here, but I have a real bad feeling about Tagovailoa and I don't think he's going to hold up. I really, really don't. I mean, if, if he can't handle hits from Mississippi State, you're, you're telling me he's going to survive the New England Patriots, the, the Ravens or any of these just ridiculous defenses? I, I, you, I, I can't see it. Okay. I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I didn't have him on my bus list um, because, I mean, I get I get your concern there. I didn't have him there because I think that if we're just talking about sheer talent, he has the talent to do well in the NFL. Now, do I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL? No. Uh, do I, you know, but if you take out things like injury risk, I think that he, I mean, he's not, he wouldn't be a bust if we were just talking about pure talent. So I, before I get to my second one, I got to ask you, what did you think about uh, Trent Dilfer's comments comp- saying Tua had a better arm than Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino? Ah, uh, that's absurd. That that that's like a fireable offense, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers and oh, it, Dan it, it Marino. Is, it is Trent Dilfer. So I mean, I know he won a Super Bowl, but he kind of won a <laughs> Super Bowl in the same way that Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl by Ray Lewis dragging him by his head. Yeah, just by an incredible defense. You know he's the only starting quarterback to get cut after winning the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. That's tough. Okay, enough Trent Dilfer slander on the College Football Podcast, but um, I'm going to go with Jake Fromm here as my second bust. And so uh, let me explain, because I know some of you guys are saying, how can, how is he a bust if he isn't going to go first round and whatever, but... Fromm's mostly most likely going to go second to third round, and it means that he'll probably have a backup role next season. I'm thinking something similar to like Jared Stidham with the Patriots this year, or Dak Prescott's plan before Tony Romo fell apart and forced Dak into a starting role because Dak was going to be a backup that year, and they were mid round picks. I think that's what Fromm's going to be, and many scouts see potential for a future NFL starter, but I don't think he reaches that. I think. People are overlooking that Fromm had one of the most talented rosters, one of the best young coaches, played on just a great program during his time at Georgia, and he never reached 3,000 yards passing. He never, he only had 30 touchdowns, only had 30 touchdowns one year, Brandon. 
and he played yeah. with the likes of Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Miko Hardman, Terry Godwin, Isaac Nata, all of which are skill players in the NFL. And I didn't even have time to list the amount of Georgia offensive linemen that are that are in the NFL right now. That includes Isaiah Wynn, who went first round. That includes Andrew Thomas, who's arguably the best offensive tackle in the draft this year. And the biggest concern for me, he played great until the second half of that Alabama game in 2018, but he never, he never seemed to pick up his game in big games. He just, you, you got what you got with Jake Fromm, and watching him against LSU this year, watching him against Auburn in 2017, watching him just disappear in these big games. He, he never seemed to make the game winning play. It was just like you were a through and through game manager. And, I was thinking, like, who do I compare him to in the NFL? Because I love pro comparisons to give you guys an idea of where my mind is. I see AJ McCarron at best, and that's if everything goes right with for Jake Fromm. And AJ McCarron was a career backup, and I think that's about what you're going to get from Jake Fromm. And really and truly, he might just disappear in the league. I I think he's going to get swept under, and we're going to be like, you know, you know who I surprised I never heard of in the NFL? Jake Fromm. He was. So he went to a national championship at Georgia, won an SEC championship, but whatever happened to him? And I think he's a great person and everything. Like you never hear anything bad about Jake Fromm, but you also he just seems to be mediocre with everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Especially, I mean, after just watching him play this past season, um, and in a word, just unimpressive uh, things from him. So. You know, I, I also didn't have him on my list, mainly just because I wanted to focus on the first-round quarterbacks, the ones that people are putting a lot of hype around. Um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely see where he won't, where he might not live up to expectations. No, I just, I just don't see it, man. He has so much hype when he took over the job for Eason, and I just, I just never seemed to put. I mean, he even had, he was even the star of a Netflix show, guys, and still couldn't put it together. Uh, it's just. True. Yeah, that was that was a great show, by the way. In case you guys want to go watch that, go ahead. But we're gonna move on. Last segment of the day, guys. We're gonna discuss a mock draft here. So I put mine out, and there's been some similarities, there's been some differences, but this one just kind of took us both aback. And that's Joel Clad of Fox Sports. He released his first mock draft. Uh, kind of late, in my opinion, cop out, but first mock draft for the 2020 NFL draft. And to say it was controversial may be an understatement. Some of the things uh, Clatt decided to do was exclude Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert from the first round and projected a ridiculous eight different wide receivers to be taken in the first round. Uh, in terms of what team had the most players, LSU led the way with six players in Clatt's mock draft, which not necessarily a huge surprise because as Brandon probably knows, there are some talented LSU players in this year's draft. But um, so Brandon, what are your takeaways from this draft and what are some things you can see happening next Thursday? But, you know, I'm actually going to take this one, Brandon. Um, I'm heated. We're going to go on a Zach rant. Um, So I need you to tag along with me. And um, can Brandon, is there 32 players that I'm missing that are better than Justin Herbert? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it depends on who you ask, I guess. In my opinion, no. But thirty-two geez. players, Brandon. Thirty-two, and that's the, that's that's just. And the Bengals have the first pick in the second round, so thirty-three. Because they're not going to have Burrow and Herbert. Um, might, you know. I'm upset. 
I'm upset, guys. So you're telling me, Mr. Klatt, that Burrow and Tua are going top six, but Justin Herbert is not going to be taken in the first 32 picks? I mean, I get that Burrow and Tua might go before Herbert because I'm very high. Some people are not. Whatever. But is this the same Justin Herbert that the Dolphins were just talking about trading up for? Is and okay, so Brandon, I'm gonna highlight some teams here. So tell me if Justin Herbert is better than this team's current projected starting quarterback for the next ten years, okay? Okay. The Patriots. Well, we don't know who their starter is right now. So uh, is he better than Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham? Uh, Brian Hoyer is like a he's like a vet. I could see where they'd want to play him, but no, I don't think he's. I, I think he is better than them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Aaron Rodgers in 10 years when he's 55. Okay, that's that's absurd. Don't be ridiculous. That. No, okay, no. I'm saying Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play for another 10 years. So what, Justin Herbert would fit that system. Like It would be the same thing they did with Aaron Rodgers when they put him behind Brett Favre. Yeah, you're right. But the 55 I mean, it, comment was just out of pocket. Yeah, it was out of pocket. It, you're going to like this one more. What about the Saints? Can Justin Herbert yeah, not? I would, listen, I would love that. Let's get that. Let's someone write that down. I mean, because well, let's be let's be honest here. Let, let's be honest here. Ty, Tyson Hill is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, guys. I love you, Saints yeah. fans, but that's outrageous. Yeah, for the love we're, of God. I mean, <laughs> I love I love Taysom Hill. Don't get me wrong, who that forever, but but oh my God. This is not <laughs> this is this is not the longest yard, guys. This is the NFL where he's gonna yeah. have to throw a ball down the field. I mean, he's like come 30, on. By the way, did you know that uh, he's like thirty? T- but why did I don't understand why they got rid of Bridgewater? I am still just dumbfounded why they got rid of Teddy Bridgewater. But you know, why not? Because Drew Brees has been hinting that this is might be his final year in, yeah, in New Sean Orleans. Yeah, Payton just said, "Hey, this is his last year." Oh, okay. I didn't even hear that. So, um, yeah. why if Justin Herbert falls to the Saints at twenty-four and the Saints do not pick him, I think the city of New Orleans should riot because that is just outrageous. And Brandon, you're gonna love this one. So you're telling me the Falcons are gonna just stick with Matt Ryan forever? <laughs> Matty Ice, baby. Come on. Yeah, no, they, 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 got they those, shouldn't. They got those trash new uniforms, and they got Todd Gurley right. to go to go eight and eight again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm, I am pissed, guys. I am heated. Like, I just named four teams off the top of my head that d- need a quarterback. And that's not even talking about the Vikings with Kirk Cousin. Are you are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're getting to the NFC Championship with Kirk Cousins. And Justin Herbert falls to you? Uh, no, bro. Come on. And the 49ers don't like Garoppolo. Like, so let's, let's draft him a replacement. Like, what? This is this is outrageous to me. I mean, th- this disrespectful, outrageous. I'm done. The Dolphins have three first-round picks, Brandon, and Clatt does not have them taking a single quarterback. They have Josh, they have Josh Rosen and, and 85-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I don't know. Just, it's I, I understand that you're I understand that you're mad, and I get it. You know, it's he definitely should be taken in the first round, maybe in the top ten. Um, it's, just, I mean, it's not. I mean, like regardless, like I agree. Like you can make an argument that Burrow and Tua should go first. Like I'm I'm fine with that. If you want to take that risk, take that risk. 
Burrow's coming off the greatest season that we've seen in recent history. And Tua has the boomer bust potential to really change your franchise. I got you. But you're telling me that I just um, I don't even have words for it. Go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead. What are your thoughts on this? I I need a break. So uh, there were just a few things I wanted to say about this. Um, I guess the first thing is that, you know, I can't be too mad at him. Uh, He has a million LSU players going in this first round, which I do like to see. Uh, But then I keep looking. I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty ridiculous. So maybe maybe I shouldn't be too excited about it. Um, Zach, I think you'd agree with me when I say this. But this kind of looks like if he just wrote down like a bunch of names that, that he recognized and just put them into a hat and started drawing them out. Because a lot, I mean, some of these pictures don't make a lot of sense to me. Um, because for some reason, the Dolphins are going to take Tristan Wirfs, uh, number five overall, to protect just whatever quarterback they decide to put back there. I guess Josh Rosen Rosen's just some kind of bum. Uh, maybe it'll be Ryan Fitzpatrick again. I don't know. I don't really know why they're drafting O-linemen right now. Didn't they just send off uh, one of their best O-linemen this past season for whatever reason? Yeah, Laramie really Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil for yeah. the pick that they're literally going to take another offensive lineman with. Get out of here. Yeah, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and and I also wanted to touch on, and I'm uh, you kind of stole my thunder here, but he did release this first mock draft very late on account that the draft is in a week and a half. This is his mock draft 1.0. I feel like you could have just called this his mock draft because if you have another one, then oh, you're kind of pretty close. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is that he doesn't have wide receivers going inside the top 10 period. Like his first wide receiver off the board is Jerry Judy to the jets at number 11. So so you're telling me in 20, in 22 picks, they're going to be eight wide receivers taking. No, here's here's funny is that not only are there eight wide receivers taken in the, uh, in the next 22 picks, but there are four taken in the next five picks between 11 and 15. <laughs> okay, I don't so, know. Uh, I, I even highlighted it for you. Bro. I was going to break it down for you with the wide receivers because I like my mock draft that I released, I had six going in the first round, and I was like, oh, that may be a stretch. But there were all teams that needed it. I mean, like the Jets, Sam Darnold can't just throw to ghost out there. I mean, there's like they lost Robbie Anderson in free agency. So Sam Darnold has Le'Veon Bell and tackling dummies as his targets. And the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr is the same thing. I mean, Antonio Brown just did Antonio Brown things. He literally has no one to throw to except for Hunter Renfro. And he's probably already about to retire, even though he's only in his second year. Yeah, he's like 47. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so I just wanted to call out some of the teams he had taken wide receivers. I mean, he had the 49ers taking a wide receiver, and they have Richard Sherman, which is like one ACL injury from having to retire. And they play in the it, they play in like the NFC West, which is just loaded with just. I mean, Brandon, like if you think about the quarterbacks in the in the NFC West, I mean. This is a bunch of gunslingers. I mean, you're going to have to have some secondary to face Russell Wilson out there every single. And then you also got Jerry Goff. I mean, you got to have somebody out there to p- play with. So I think they're going defense. I mean, their defense is what pretty much cost them the Super Bowl. So yeah, why are they right. going for another wide receiver? I, I'm just dumbfounded on that one. And then, dude, he has the Saints taking a wide receiver. You're a Saints fan. D- y'all don't need a wide receiver. 
just signed Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think we do. We Michael yeah, Thomas, and, Sanders, the list goes on. And, and Alvin Kamara is a glorified wide receiver that gets the ball handed to him sometimes. I mean, right. the, the dude makes plays out there, and y'all have a glaring – and the Saints – I keep saying y'all. That's terrible radio. Brandon's a Saints fan, by the way, guys. But the Saints have a glaring hole at linebacker. I mean, and you have Patrick Queen sitting there and, and from Louisiana, and you'll make your fan base happy. He could probably make – he'd be an immediate contributor, and you're just going to pass him by for a wide receiver who's not going to get any playing time anyway. I just – I don't know what's going on here. And then th- the Vikings – Oh, the Vikings. I mean, I get – okay, hear me out. Stefan Diggs is gone. I, I got you. You got Adam Thielen. That's great. And I think the reason he gave the Vikings a wide receiver is because he just started getting wide receiver happy, and he's like, oh, crap, they need a wide receiver. There's not going to be any in the second round. But according to my mock draft, there's going to be some good wide receivers in the second round, like K.J. Hamler, et cetera, et cetera. So why why did they not need a – you know, a cornerback. I mean, they lost their best cornerback in Xavier Rhodes, and you have to play Aaron Rod- Aaron Rodgers twice a year. You might want a good yeah. cornerback. So I I don't understand what what the I guess the thinking was here. No, I I, I don't either. Um, <laughs> there's one other thing that I think is going to get Zach pretty. Uh, no, I, I won't even I won't even bring that up because I think you already brought it up. Um, but I don't which, know. This which, is just—it's just an absolutely absurd. No, you—you you already brought it up. I don't know how I missed it. No, oh, but, there's still one more thing I'm about to rant on because he—he—he got me heated on this one too. Oh, was it the Grand Delta thing? Yes. Oh my gosh! Like, Brandon, can you tell me? Like, I, I follow NFL college football news very, very closely. Did Grant Delpit like piss someone off that I didn't hear about? Like, did he send a racially insensitive tweet or something? Like, why is this dude? tumbling down draft boards when he was supposed to be like the number three pick according to the early mock drafts i have no idea i just couldn't tell you like like this Um, dude was a surefire hall of famer like eight months ago and now people are like i don't know if he deserves to be a first round pick and it was like what are you talking about well and what's killer is that taken right before him one pick before him is uh you know it is a cornerback but it's a cornerback from the same college christian fulton so I, I don't know. It's just I understand that the, that the 49ers need probably need a cornerback, but you probably I don't know. It, it's just it, it, it's weird to me that he uh, he dropped this far. I mean, he's hardly in the first round anymore. The the only LSU defensive player that should be drafted before Grant Delpit is Derek Stingley, and he can't be drafted, guys. So uh, Grant Delpit should be going number one for LSU defensive players. Well, I, I'm just saying. I mean, if you need a if you need a DB, then yeah. But yeah, well, okay. Well, I mean, Patrick, I, I, Patrick I, I Queen's really where, good. Yeah, and Clavon Chason's really I, good. I, I Clavon mean, Chason, I've already highlighted him. I don't, I don't, I'm unsure about him. He didn't play enough for me to be okay. sure about him yet. But Del Pitt, man. I mean, so okay. So I'm gonna address a thing later. But hang on, I'll, I'll get on Del Pitt first. But you know, I know he didn't have the best year. Brandon, as an LSU fan, you know his junior year was light years better than his senior year. Oh, yeah. But he was a sophomore and his junior. But for me, okay, so a lot of people overlook this. Brandon, how much more did people throw on LSU this year than they did last year? Uh, a lot. A lot. You want to know why, guys? Because LSU was putting up 50 points a game. So they were jumping on people. In 2018... LSU wasn't scoring a whole lot, so teams could run the ball more. 
And so when you have Derek Stingley on one side, you have, okay, listen, I really like Kristen Fulton. He was the weak link in that secondary for LSU. Because Derek Stingley didn't allow, I don't think Derek, I don't think Derek Stingley allowed a catch all year except for the one where his coach distracted him and he got burned by Devontae Smith. But yeah. uh, between Del Pitt and uh, Stingley, I think Fulton was the weak link in that secondary, and that's saying a lot because Kristen Fulton is really, really good. But Grant Del Pitt's worthy of a top ten pick, and so this situation reminds me of Derwin James coming out of Florida State. James really high on a lot of people's boards, but for some reason, people just started passing him up and he fell all the way to the Chargers in the teens in the draft. I think it was the 18th to the Chargers. And James was the best player in that draft. And he's a pro bowler. He's arguably one of the best safeties in the game. And he re- this is what Del Pitt reminds me of, just the way he falls in the draft and his playing style. They're similar sizes. They have similar talent. Um, I mean, Delpit is 6'3", 205, brings physicality. I mean, Brandon could tell you this. This dude does not shy away from contact, and he's a playmaker. He makes plays constantly every game. He has the football IQ to be serious. I think he's a future pro bowler. And, I mean, Brandon, you can speak on this. I mean, there's been a lot really, really good secondary players coming out of LSU. Delpit's up there, and I, I don't understand why, what people are missing. Yeah, I, I don't really know either. Um and, uh, you know, like you said, if anything, it may have been that, his, you know, his, his, this past season uh, didn't quite live up to his sophomore season. You know, and you already mentioned that, but that's not like he had a terrible season this year. He still had a very good season that was capped off with a national championship. Um, and, and I get it. The LSU defense wasn't what everyone thought they would be at the beginning of the season. They really turned that around at the end of the season, uh, or even even really the second half of the season. They turned that around, and you know Delpit was playing off an injury uh, that he that he got during that Auburn game um, for for a little bit of the, uh, the end of the year. But I mean, he still had a great season. So I don't I don't know. They're they're I'm going to chalk this one up to Joel Klatt just being a ridiculous human being and this mock draft. I'm going to go ahead and throw this one in the trash. So I'm going to highlight one more thing, Brandon. I don't know if you thought about it. I don't know if our listeners are thinking about it up to this point. Um, I mean, it's disrespectful to put, you know, Del Pitt at 32. But do you know how nasty he would be on the Chiefs? Oh, my God. Dude, him the, and, and Tyron Matthew, Matthew in the same. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Those, You're gonna those give, are their safeties? Oh. You're going to give the Chiefs those two guys? Listen, I know y'all are upset that Mahomes dominated the NFL this year. Let that defense get Tyron Matthew, Grant Delpit, Chris Jones on the end, Frank jo- Frank was it yeah, was it yeah, Fr- uh Frank Clark on the defensive end and are you kidding me? That defense is going to be outrageous, guys. And they they had some good free agency pickups. I'm telling you, if Joel Klatt is can see into the future, Chiefs 2021 Super Bowl champions, put it in the books because you are not going to be able to throw on these guys. Because oh my god, I, I think you know Clap might be a secret Chiefs fan and just was like, you know, this is what I want. I, I, I want Grant Delpit on the Chiefs because that that's just disrespectful to the NFL to have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and then your defense look. Are I guess the Chiefs were considered a weak defense. Go ahead, give them Grant Delpit and Tyron Matthew on the back end and see if you're going to be able to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, it's 
I don't know. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, that, it's just that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I was like, ooh, that's tough. But guys, we're gonna end this episode. We brought you guys another whole hour of content in a time where sports are stopped. Don't know how we keep doing it. Doing it for you guys. So keep listening. Keep subscribing. Uh, voting right now for the best coach of all time. Uh, the round of eight starts when this episode comes out. It start about 12, 1 o'clock p.m. Central time. Um, so voting Instagram at the underscore blue bloods. Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Facebook at the blue bloods pod. Find us on all three of those social media accounts. Podcast available everywhere, including YouTube guys. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's just the Blue Bloods. All the episodes, well, all our recent episodes are up there. All our interviews with our awesome guests are up there. So go subscribe on our YouTube channel. Go rate the podcast wherever you listen. Tell your friends, family, whatever in this quarantine. If they need sports content, the Blue Bloods are here constantly giving you guys content. We got another episode coming this week, uh, Thursday. Next week, we'll even ha- we'll have some NFL draft covers for you guys. So we are bringing you guys endless content for this quarantine. So keep tuning in. We'll keep dropping. But for right now, we out. <laughs>